just to um, um, see what God would have us uh, to say. And um, earlier, as I, I got I got here earlier, and I uh, came upon the title. Uh, I, I walked walked there in the office, and Kester was there in the front office, sitting at the, uh, that desk doing some work and stuff. And um, so I says, "I'm gonna be preaching on you tonight." She looked up, and then I showed her the title, Come to Your Senses. <laughs> and uh, so um, uh, we're going to see what, uh, what, the, what the Word says about that tonight. We're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26 for our uh, Scripture text tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 24 through 26. Kind of seems like Timothy's been worked on today. <laughs> Amen. Here's what it reads. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Uh, now, the servant of the Lord here, as you probably have figured out, is talking about a minister of the gospel or any, anybody who's in, uh, in, in leadership but does ministry in some kind of way, be it preaching or teaching. It says that they must not quarrel but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will. And that's what we're going to speak on tonight. Come to your senses. Come to your senses. Father, we come tonight, we thank you, and we praise you for the services today and what we have experienced tonight. And now, Lord, take this next few minutes of time, speak to us from your word, and give us strength, give us wisdom and knowledge that we may grow more close to you in everything we do. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to start out by reading you a little a story. Uh, it is a eulogy over someone who's, who has died. Ronnie had a story this morning. I guess I got to keep up with him. Um, and uh, but but listen close. Today we mourn the passing of a beloved old friend. Common sense, who has been with us for many years. No one knows for sure how old common sense was. 
since his birth records were long, uh, birth records were recorded long ago lost in bureaucratic red tape. He will be remembered as having cultivated such valuable lessons as knowing when to come in out of the rain, while the early bird gets the worm. Life isn't always fair, and maybe it was my fault. Common sense used to teach us those things. Common sense lived by simple, sound financial policies. That being, don't spend more than you earn. And reliable parenting which common sense used to teach, it's adults, not the children, who are in charge. His health began to deteriorate rapidly when well-intended but overbearing regulations were set in place. Reports of a six-year-old boy charged with sexual harassment just for kissing a classmate on the cheek in school, teenagers suspended from school for using mouthwash after lunch. Now, these kind of things has come up in news reports in the last few years. A teacher fired for reprimanding an unruly student only worsened the condition of common sense. I remember well, I remember well my parents telling me, if you get a paddling when you're at school, when you come home, you're going to get another one. But today, we can pull videotape showing what the kids do, and the parents still want to raise cane about it. No, no, y'all doctored that up come some kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, common sense lost ground when parents attacked teachers for doing their job, the job that themselves failed to do and discipline their unruly children. Amen. It declined even further. I'm talking about the health of common sense declined even further when schools were required to get parental consent to administer um, uh, peptobismol, sun lotion, or plaster to, um, uh, to a student but could not inform the parents when a pupil become pregnant and wanted to have an abortion. Common sense lost the will to live as the Ten Commandments became contraband in churches and schools and government buildings all over this country. Common sense took a beating when you couldn't defend yourself from a burglar in your own home. But the burglar could sue you for assault because you protected yourself and your own. Common sense finally gave up the will to live after a woman failed to realize that a steaming cup of coffee was hot. Anybody remember about the person who sued McDonald's that got all that stuff 
because you got burned over a cup of coffee? My, my, my. Common sense gone. Hallelujah. Common sense was preceded in death by his parents, truth and trust. His wife, discretion, his daughter, responsibility, and his son, reason. He has survived by three stepbrothers who, as I know my rights, someone else is to blame, and I'm a victim. They're alive and well. Not many attended his funeral because so few realized that he was gone. The death of common sense. Some of those things are comical, but it's sad because a lot of them are true. Many people today do not look at things realistically. They often act before they think, and therefore their actions are often irrational. When we act without God's guidance and the Holy Ghost, we often regret our actions. It is often said when one does something or says something that does not make sense, they are not to themselves or not of themselves. As we look at the things people are doing today and the things they are saying, we can certainly say without a shadow of a doubt that they are not to themselves. As saints of God and believers in the written divine word of God, we need to wake up and come to our senses. Hallelujah. Saints are not acting like, like the redeemed children of God anymore. Hello? It seems like we are just not to ourselves. Certainly we are not behaving as the word of God says we should. We need to wake up, come to our senses, and realize that the Word of God says, There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the way of death. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand, clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to hold you long, but there uh, are uh, there are three things that I want to share you that we need to come to our senses about and stop and stop. Amen. There are three things. We all need to come to our senses and stop. The first one is opposing God's will. Anybody who will buck up against the Lord and oppose His will needs to come to their senses. Hallelujah. Anybody who would fight against God and go against what they know God's Word says, they need to come to their senses and stop doing that. I want to share with you a story in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, as I read. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, praise the Lord. I'm glad that I'm still of that way tonight. Hallelujah. 
whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Saul was the first dog to bounty hunter. Hallelujah. Amen. He went out looking. He wasn't waiting for them to come to him. He went looking for them. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And, and the Lord said, I am Jesus. Now, now stop and think of this. Jesus had done went away and went back into heaven for a few years after when this was, this was going on right here. It had been a few years since they'd watched him and the clouds received him out of our sight. Jesus is alive and well, I want to assure you, church. He's alive and well. Because when Saul asked him, Who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, let's stop right here. What I'm talking about tonight, that we need to come to our senses and stop opposing the will of God. You've heard me make this statement before, and I'm going to make it again. The devil does a lot of stuff that he and gets blamed for. The devil gets blamed for a lot of stuff that he don't do. We bring on a lot of our own troubles. Hallelujah. A lot of the calamity and the situations that we got to go through, we bring on ourselves. It's not because the devil is after you, but it's because you have lost your senses and you're opposing the will of God every step you make, every turn you take. Hallelujah. That's preach good preaching whether you like it or not. Hallelujah. Just like Saul was doing, <coughs> he was persecuting the Lord, and the Lord asked him, and he told him, he said, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I'm going to tell you tonight, church, it's hard when you buck up against the will of God in your life. You are kicking against the pricks. Now let's talk about that. Chris should have a picture of something there. And if you study this out, now the King James Version uses the word pricks. But the new uh, King James Version and most modern versions does not use the word pricks. It actually means an ox goad, gourd. An ox gold was a, was a stick with a pointed piece of iron on its tip used to prod the oxen when plowing. 
the farmer would prick the animal to steer it in the right direction. The old oxen had a tendency of getting off track. You know, we don't, they don't farm like that today, but back in the, in the Bible days especially, they would, they would have a team of oxen and they'd be pulling the plow, whatever they were doing. And this long stick, it's a lot longer than what the uh, picture there shows, that the man got him, he would, it would be long enough that he could reach over the plow and everything else. And when that, that cattle, that old ox, began to get off, off track and off the direction that that farmer wanted to go, he would, he would prod him. There were different ways he would do that. One of those ends is curved, curved as you see. And a lot of times, oxen can be stubborn. And when they would get prodded, the oxen a lot of time would kick against that goat. And when they kicked against it, it would only drive it deeper in their flesh. When they would buck up against it, it would, it would, it would stick them harder because they were not yielding to what the one who was driving the team was trying to get them to. Do you hear what I'm saying? So Saul understood what the Lord was saying. The Lord told Saul, Brother Douglas, he said, it's hard for you. Why are you bucking up against me? Why are you persecuting me? Because you are only causing more trouble and pain for yourself. You need to come to your soul, hallelujah. You need to come to your senses, amen, and quit bucking against what I want you to do in your life. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we cause a lot of our own pain when we come against the will of God, even though we know it, but yet we got a stubborn streak in us, in us that we want to kick back when we get pricked because we're getting out of line and not going the right direction. The second thing tonight that we need to uh, come to our senses and stop, all these things are found in our text uh, there in 2 Timothy. When he told the servant of the Lord, about correcting those that are in opposition. Um, that's uh, the first one, in opposition, those who are kicking against the pricks. And then the second one, he said, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. The second thing that we need to stop, we need to come to our senses and stop doing is rejecting the truth. Come on, somebody. Too many people have heard the truth in this country, but they reject it. They won't receive it. They won't grasp a hold of it. They need to come to their senses and quit rejecting the truth. 
Now I'm going to talk, I'm fixing to say something very serious here. I don't know. There's well, we we do know that there is a big difference the way that a lot of folks interpret uh, the catching away of the Lord in the rapture. And a big group of people today teach that even after the rapture, folks can come to the Lord and be saved. But the way I understand the scriptures, and, I, and that's one thing I've studied for years and years, about as long as I've been preaching, is eschatology in the end time. The Bible talks about the times of the Gentiles being fulfilled. I see that as the time of the Gentiles, the door closed when the rapture takes place. And God will go back during, during, the, uh, during the tribulation period, amen, and plead over the nation of Israel to fulfill his promise that he made to Abraham that all Israel will be saved. Some people say, well, <coughs> I live my life because they listen to what is being taught and say, well, they, they still got a, uh, a chance to be saved if they don't take the mark of the beast and, uh, and they're willing to, uh, to die for Jesus and let them chop their head off or whatever. I'm going to tell you what, a, a person who can't set their alarm clock on Sunday morning and get up in time to go to church on Sunday morning is not going to be very likely to die for Jesus. That's tight, but it's right. And beside, there's scriptures to let us know that God is going to let something happen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now leave that scripture up there for a moment. I guess this is what you've heard me say before I'm doing preaching tonight. God is going to send a strong delusion. Now, stop and think about it. When the trumpet sounds and everybody's ready is called away, The world leader, include, uh, who's going to be the Antichrist, they got to come up with some type of crazy notion and lie to get everybody in the world to think something else happened to the millions of people that's going to be missing the day after the rapture. They got to come up with some something. And, of course, we know that the Antichrist is going to set himself up as God. He's going to be on the throne in the, in the temple that's going to be rebuilt in Jerusalem and all that stuff. And I'm not, I'm not teaching on Revelation tonight. But people who don't 
receive the truth now. People who don't accept the truth of the word when the gospel is preached to them now. If you reject it now, come on, listen to me. If you reject the word of God now, if you reject truth now, when Jesus comes again, you're going to be have a strong delusion be brought over you and you're going to believe anything that the Antichrist tells you. And God's going to let this happen to what group of people? That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Church, this pastor's pleading with my heart tonight. You need to come to your senses and receive the truth while you can receive it. Come on, somebody. Now, it's amazing to me how so many people will believe a lie of Satan over the truth of the gospel. People who don't believe and accept the truth need to come to their senses before God one day will bring a strong delusion on all those who rejected the truth before the rapture takes place. It's dangerous to reject truth. It's dangerous. And people who won't receive it, they need to come to their senses and stop rejecting truth and embrace it. One third and final thing in my message. There in 2 Timothy, in verse 26 of that chapter, he said that, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. The third thing that you need to come to your senses and stop is getting entangled in Satan's snares. Hallelujah. Some people are so gullible. Come on, somebody. Some people are so gullible that every time the devil sets a little trap, every time he sets a snare, they fall right for it. Come on. They fall into it. And I'm here to tell you, anybody who will fall in the snare of the devil is because they, 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 they ain't in their right mind. They need to come to their senses. And they need, to, they need to realize where they're at and come out of that snare. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. Let's see what it says. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. Hallelujah. Well, I'll go ahead and read it. Maybe I'll get it, be able to get there in a second. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. What are, what are they talking about there? That was the temptation of Jesus, right? When he was there to be tempted by the devil for 40 days, right after his baptism. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory 
For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. You see, let me finish reading first. Go ahead, go on to the the back. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. I heard somebody, I've heard some people say that, um, uh, well, the devil was lying about that because he didn't have it, but yes, he does. You see, when Adam fell in the garden, God had given him dominion over everything on this earth. But when Adam disobeyed God, the Bible teaches us that Adam lost the dominion. He lost it. And the devil took it from him. Hallelujah. Amen. And so, now here was the devil trying to set a a trap for Jesus. Trying to set a snare. If you just fall down and worship me, all the kingdoms of the world and their influence, their authority, I will give it to you. He had baited the trap. He had baited the trap. But Jesus didn't fall for it. Jesus didn't fall for it. Let me say this. Satan has all kind of traps and snares to catch people when they least expect it and who are spiritual, uh, spiritually vulnerable. How can the world can you be spiritually vulnerable if you're a child of God? Well, simply, you don't pray like you should. You don't read the Word like you should. You don't worship like you should. Hallelujah. Amen. Even though you're a child of God, you make yourself vulnerable to the uh, devil's snare when you stop doing the things that you need to do for your spiritual growth and well-being. Let me give you some examples here. Think about this for a moment. I'm not going to go take the time to do all this reading because I think you're going to remember the story as well. The devil sets snares for us. Traps. Things he tries to bait us with things. He knows what your weaknesses are. He's not going to bother you over something he knows he can't get to you with. So he's going to set a trap with some bait that he knows it's a good possibility he could lure you. Samson played with the bait Delilah had set for several days until he played one day too long. He didn't take his place in God seriously. He made a joke of it. Come on, somebody. Every time that she would uh, try to get him to tell her the source of his strength, All the while, 
Philistine soldiers just on the other side of a curtain ready to pounce in. So he played. He, um, days and days went by. It's not wise to mess around a snare when you see it. You could get caught. You could get caught. Even though you may be a champion like Samson was, and Samson was a champion of God. Anybody can take the jawbone of, a, of an ass and kill a thousand men. I'm not going to question him. Hallelujah. Glory. Samson played with the bait Delilah had for several days until he played one day too long. And when he got caught, he didn't even know the Lord had departed from him. That's sad. And you know what? There are people who has been sitting on church pews for a long time. The Spirit of God and the glory and the anointing has left them a long time ago. And because they're so caught up in doing their own thing, they don't even know God's gone. If you go back and read this story, after she done cut the locks off his hair, he was laying asleep in Delilah's lap, his head in her lap. She wakes him up and says, Samson, the Philistines be upon you. What did Samson say? He said, I will shake myself as in times before, but was not that the strength had gone from him, that the Lord had departed. The Lord had left, and he didn't even know it. That's a sad place to be in. That's a sad place to be in. Hallelujah. One other example that I'm going I'm to close. Now, I'm going to give you this name right here, and you may not recognize it. Brother, Brother Kyle may recognize it. But there was a servant, a man by the name of Gehazi. Now, you're going to recognize the name Elisha. Gehazi was Elijah's servant. Just like Elisha had poured water on the hands of Elijah. Follow me now. I'm going to bring out something. This is something that you don't hear uh, brought, brought out very much. Elijah was a servant under, um, Elisha was a servant under Elijah. The Bible said he poured water on his hands and he, he took care of him. And we all know the story. When he knew that Elijah was going to be carried away into heaven, he was right there with Elijah. He wouldn't leave. Elijah told him, said, you stay here. He says, no, I'm going with you. I'm going with you. And Elisha was just a servant. He wasn't a prophet. And so finally when he got down to it, Elijah says, okay, what do you want? He says, I want a double portion of your spirit. And when Elijah was carried away, Elijah's mantle came right down and fell across Elisha. He took that mantle and he went back to Jordan. 
And he said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he smote Jordan, and the Jordan River departed. Oh, hallelujah. And if you count all the miracles of Elisha, he did exactly double the amount that Elijah had done. Now, he had a servant, and his name was Gehazi. I like to use this when I am mentoring and, and, and training younger ministers coming up. Gehazi was in the position that Elisha had been in. And it's a good possibility that Gehazi could have received that same mantle. It could have fell to him. But he messed up. He fell for the snare of the devil. What happened? Let me give you, throw out another name. Anybody remember Naaman? What was unique about Naaman? Somebody tell me, Naaman. He was a leper. He came to Elijah. Elijah had, uh, uh, well, he came to Elisha, excuse me. Elisha told him to go to the Jordan River and dip seven times. Now everybody knows the story, right? And on that seventh time when he come up, his skin was like a baby's skin. God had worked the miracle. Now if you read that whole story, in 2 Kings chapter 5, you'll find that when Naaman was healed, he went to Elisha, and he offered him a reward. I mean, anything he wanted. And Elisha says, no, you keep it. I don't want, I don't want none of it. You go on and be blessed. But here was Gehazi standing off over here, and he overheard that. And when Naaman headed back towards his homeland, Gehazi fell in the snare and the trap of greed. He gets together and he starts chasing after Naaman. He said, well, my master wouldn't take none of this stuff. He said, you know, what, what's the harm? And I'm paraphrasing this now. And you go back and read this story. It's very interesting. And his, his greed caused him to lie. Because when he got called up to Naaman, he told Naaman, he said, hey, my master has said two other prophets come in on him unexpectedly. And he sent me after you to get a change of garments and different things so he could have uh, for these two prophets. And that, and that, was, a t that was a tale. That didn't, that, hadn't, that didn't happen. So Naaman gave Gehazi all that stuff. And he came on back, put it up, thought he was going to be, be in good shape. 
And Elisha called out to him. He said, hey, Zai, where you been? Uh, I hadn't been nowhere. <laughs> How many knows that God knows where you're at? Oh, glory. Man, I could preach another good message on that right there. God knows where you're at. He knows where you've been. Elisha said, is it time for us to really be receiving all that? You see, that, that happens a lot to a lot of young preachers that get caught up in pride and greed and, and ministry a source of financial gain rather than the gospel. But a man who's got a real calling on his life, he thinks about the sheep first. He's not a harlot. Whether he gets paid or not, he's still going to carry the message. What happened to Gehazi? He was in line, like I said, to get that mantle. Just like Elisha had was with Elijah. Read the whole story, all of it together there. But he didn't, he didn't get the mantle. What he got was the leprosy that Naaman was healed of. He wound up with leprosy because he fell for the snare of the devil in greed. So church, it's time for us to come to our senses. I wish our government would come to its senses. We need America to come, come to its senses. Let's all stand together. I hope that we brought a point around something that will cause you to think a little bit tonight. Don't let the devil get you off track. Amen. Don't let the devil... Um, snare you up and get you thinking the wrong way but keep your senses in the Lord if anybody wants prayer tonight we're going to give you that opportunity